How much do you charge for your coaching, Michelle? <laughs> she can only answer if she sings, right? <laughs> My coaching has a first name. It's E X P E N S I V E. Yeah, that's your P E R C E P T I O N. What? Oh, perception. <laughs> oh, right, right. Caption. <laughs> right? like, hold up, hold up. We gotta, we gotta spell this real quick. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Creation Curve Leadership. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Coach Coberson, with my lovely co-host. My name is Kimberly. I hate when we enter this way. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Bring the awkward. Do it over. <laughs> All right, we'll do it over. I make him not do this thing because he he says. Blah, 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 blah. I'm Swabin. I was a radio DJ. And my name is Coach Coverton, and this is... And then I have to go, Coach Coverton? <laughs> it's like crickets for a second. The, when the voicemail <laughs> is like, it's like, you have received a voicemail from Kimberly Coberson. You know, it doesn't like fit. It bugs me. It drives me crazy. And then he's Coach Coberton. That's like his brand. But then if I say Kimberly Coberton, it's kind of like formal. Like. No, it's not. And then he, we're both Culbertson. Why do we have to say our last name twice? It drives me crazy. You are way overthinking this. That is, that is my <laughs> role in life. That's how I roll. All right, take two. So, hello, everybody. This is Coach Culbertson with Kimberly Culbertson. And we have an amazingly awesome guest with you, with us. Let me try it again. <laughs> I'll have to get that in post. <laughs> We may leave that in just because it's funny. Oh so, <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is your friendly neighborhood and podcaster, Coach Culberson. This is Creation Curve Leadership with my lovely co-host, Kimberly. And we have an amazing guest with us today. And her name is Michelle Baker. Woo! Now, Michelle is known as the congruency catalyst. But she is an amazing, internationally renowned Motivational speaker. You've been to Canada, right? You're now international. <laughs> she is an amazing speaker. Captain she has been, uh, she has spoken internationally. She is a coach, an author, a well-respected teacher of V-I-S-I-O-N, which as we know, she likes to spell things. Vision. It's vision. Ben. Vision. Oh, right. Right. We're working on reading. So in her former career as an award-winning sales rep, Michelle learned that vision is the vehicle to drive and sustain passion through her process of best to better. Hmm, need to understand this a little bit more, too. She works with people who are experiencing an uncomfortable life, empowering them to move into an unwavering and uncompromising perspective. Michelle, thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. This is awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So, Michelle, you are and have been for... Well, golly, how long have you been doing this kind of work? Well, it's an interesting answer. I've actually formally been the congruency catalyst, you know, the coach portion of my life for a little over two and a half years. Naturally, by affinity of what I did, I've always coached and supported people and led people, um, leader in ministries and always volunteered in leadership roles. So this is just natural to who I am. 
Yeah. So you're just yeah. Now you're just doing this thing that you are. That you. you know, how long do you? How long do you feel like it kind of took you to discover this? Tell us about the moment where you're like, "This is what I need to be doing with my life." Tell us. Tell what happened there. What 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 occurred? I'm not. I don't. Wouldn't say that I absolutely had a moment. What I had was an epiphany when I stepped out of corporate to be the caregiver for my disabled sister. And I was an 80% travel job. I was taking care of her. I was leading a Bible study at my local women's church. So I was so bogged down, I didn't have a chance to look for local employment because of the travel job. Mm. And so I decided to just step out. I took the leap of faith, and I had never said, what was I made for? I had always just took jobs and did exceptionally well. You know, I'm a person of faith, so I prayed if this is a job for me, I'd get the job and I'd do well because I believed that that's where I was supposed to be. But I never asked what was my purpose. Why did you create me this individually unique person that always felt like an outlier everywhere I went? So I decided that I would um, take off and I would look for a local work. I met someone who invited me to a women's networking meeting, first time ever, and the speaker delineated that purpose was the perpetual goal and it changed my life in, mm. a, in an instant I knew that I had been chasing goals I had been on a roller coaster of achieving and then what next achieving what next achieving what next and I was like if I find my purpose I'll never be exhausted again I'll just be running and running and running and going and happy and joyful for the rest of my life yeah, how'd that work out it's been awesome <laughs> So you've never been exhausted. Oh, I'm always exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome exhausted. But it's a very different exhaustion. I, it's, it's The saying is, um, when you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And people know me at the co-working space, Orange Co-working. Shout out to Shelly Delane. Woohoo! Um, they know that I'm generally the first person there and the first per- last person to leave because I literally love what I do. Uh, my mission as life is to help as many people as possible to find excitement and joy for their life. And I do that through the vision process that I develop. And I love to see other people joyful. That's It fills my tank beyond belief. So let's talk about what you do a little bit more. What is a congruency catalyst? Oh, congruency is just a fancy word for alignment. So it's one of those morph things. Like when you start out, uh, one of the things I, I, what I express when I teach and when I work with people is that anything on paper or in our head is made up until you actually execute, 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 executal. Execute? I like execute. That's good. Okay. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Executal is fun too, though. So until you actually execute and apply what you've learned, you don't know if it works. So there, I, I'm a true believer that there is no perfect, there is no right. Everything you're doing for the first time, you don't know. You abs- All you can do is your best with what you've been given at that moment in time for who you are. And then once you actually do it, you'll find out how to do it better. So that's best to better. Ah, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, but yes. You do these really interesting vision board <laughs> workshops. And so... Uh, tell us about it. Why is this an important step for people to, who really kind of need to feel like they need to bust out of where they are? You know, I mean, I, I've seen you do them here at Orange, you know, when I'm hanging out and you, you brought people come in and they they have all these, you have all these magazines and they're putting pictures on the board. I'm like, what are these guys doing? You know, is this arts and crafts time? I mean, what's going on here? Tell us about why, why is this an important process for people to step into? Well, um, one, I'd like to let you know I have one coming up on 
August 18th from 4 to 8. In case you'd like to give it a, <laughs> give it a whirl. Excellent. <laughs> I do second, love arts and crafts. Right. The second reason is uh, I, I might have mentioned earlier when I was speaking with you, the most important thing you can do in your life is to give yourself the gift of self-development. So the mind, as I tell people, our brain is the most important gift that we've given and it's also the most powerful tool that we own so when you can capture and you can harness your own mind you change your life immensely incredibly all the things that you dream and desire you will acquire once you learn to take captive your thoughts and your mind so the vision development process is imperative because if you're not focused on one, you ever heard the saying, if you don't know where you're going, you end up anywhere? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to tell you after this how many different things we've done in our life. Oh, my gosh. We just wander around like gypsies looking at squirrels. Squirrel! Shiny object! Oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. I'm a squirrel. This is why I know this process works. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm a squirrel. So basically what it's doing is it's taking the life that most people live. It's like buckshot. They are hitting all these different points, going places. I'm good at this. Oh, this excites me. Oh, I'll buy this starter kit and I'll sell Mary Kay. You know what? No, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to sell this uh, Herbalife. No, that's not working. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. Instead of that, they take time out of their day to understand what are you good at? What are you naturally gifted at? What are you focused on? What is the big dream that you were born with? I believe that every person is born on purpose with a purpose. You already have your blueprint DNA of what you were created to give as a gift to humanity. But if you don't stop and listen and ask yourself deep questions, you'll never uncover it. So it's basically a process of unearthing things to take you from buckshot to what I call the precision of a sniper scope. So if you think about what you see in the movies, when you see a sniper take aim, all you see is the gun and the end point. And then when you see the bullet trajectory, everything on the side goes blurry. And the blurry for life is the obstacles, the roadblocks, the barriers, the, not, the naysayers, they start to go deaf because all you can see is that point because it pulls you so hard that everything in you makes you believe against all odds that you can attain it. Mm. But so this is awesome, by the way, but it seems like so many times when we ask people what they want, what they really want, they just, you just get a blank stare in return. They're like, uh, yes. You know, why is that? Why, why, do, why, do, why, why, What's what's wrong with us as a society where we don't know what we want? I mean, do we think we know what we want? I mean, what's going on with that? Why why do people have these blocks? People don't take time to think about what they're thinking about. Mm. So, if we want to go physiological, we are energy. So that's you know I remind people you know that for a fact because when you look at a corpse, there's nothing living in it. All the energy is gone. So energy is positive and negative, like a battery. And that being said, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed or transferred. So when you know who you are, when you've decided that unwavering and uncompromising, this is who I'm gonna be, this is the gift I'm gonna be to the world, and you don't get to dictate anything different, you begin to transform your surrounding circumstances and people. So people coming into me, for example, I'm positive, I decide to be positive. So if you come towards me, you will either be transformed into positive 
or you will leave. You'll be you'll be repelled by me. But you can't transfer negative onto me. Most people don't own who they are, so they allow everything in the world to transfer onto them. So they don't they can't captivate and transform their world into what they want it to be because they have no clue. They've not taken time to do the work. When you do your vision workshop, at least some of the people are coming in, they really don't know what they're looking for. Probably some people know what they want or they think they do and they don't know how to get there. But like specifically for those people who are in that kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of blank stare space, what do you do to kind of get them into that thinking about their thinking? How do you get them to start to think about how they're wired and what their passion is and what their purpose is? Well, one of the things that once you sign up for the course, you're immediately, you immediately within about 48 hours receive a download for a series of questions, which I call the pre-work. And I've seen that 100% of the people who do the pre-work walk out clear, almost crystal clear. Hmm. So I've, and I send out repeated reminders and telling them the statistics of what happens when you do the pre-work. So you come in with a preconceived notion of where you want to start heading already because I've already given you some primers and prompts that if you do them pretty quickly, you'll start to see things in, within your sphere of experience and life trajectory start to change. And then it's the process. Um, my gift of groups. Uh, I've been doing groups for, I said, 20 years, and I have the gift to just uh, take a group and harvest what's there and help people to understand the power of groups, the power of asking questions. Um, just, it's absolutely amazing. It's my gift to the point where sometimes I almost can't describe what I do, but the one thing that I know with 100% certainty is even if you didn't leave with a specific purpose you will leave with a trajectory of a passion and as long as you know what you're passionate about you can start to head towards your purpose okay so you said if you don't know where you're going you'll end up anywhere right or everywhere or something anywhere yes um have you ever heard the the statement wherever you go there you are oh yes i've been there Several times, and there I was. <laughs> I think sometimes and we. There I was. <laughs> I think sometimes we try to base our goals off of whatever our circumstances are. Do you do you find that in your workshops? You know, what your goals are dependent on what your job is today, or what what thing you've recently discovered, and so there's kind of this temptation sometimes to change who you are as you move around um, in geography and in, in your career and in your relationships. And at the end of the day, if you find no matter how much you kind of try to wrestle who you are, you still kind of come back to the same kind of space. Can you speak to that and, and how your vision boarding might help people figure well, out who they are and kind of stay so, steady in it? So. Everything I do is based off of we back up and say, who do you want to be? That is my, that is my baseline, my foundational question. Uh, when I work with, even when I work in organizations, uh, one of the requirements when I do vision development in organizations is that they allow me to do some work with the at the individual level because it's imperative that a person know who they want to be, what their legacy is. And I have a, a, a process that almost oversimplifies the, uh, the legacy of who you want to be, and it really helps people to think about what they've never thought about. Um, and it's the, the portion of the uh, seminar, which I tell people at the beginning, we're going to get to a part where you probably won't like me because it's going to be <laughs> so incredibly uncomfortable 
but in order to have something you never had before, you must do something you've never done before. So, um, and that's one of my gifts that I like to unwrap for them. I don't talk much more in detail about it because I really like you to experience it at the, um, at the seminar. And I like to see people who've never experienced it. I like to see the transition from the beginning when they're just, you could see their eyes darting back and forth and you could literally see the physical shoulder moving and just the twitching almost that goes on by the time they finish 45 minutes to an hour later, the joy of what they've achieved and accomplished for themselves is so absolutely amazing and fulfilling for me to actually watch and know that I had a hand in that. So as you know, this is the Creation Curve Leadership Podcast. And so the Creation Curve involves three elements. The first part is core and then creation and then community. And we're really kind of centering around the core part in this episode. And our basic premise is that as a leader, you have to do some work around who you are before you can really lead well. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts about that? Um, I actually had a recent episode of having a conversation with someone and I was asking them about their leadership because I was deciding if I was going to be a part of that team or organization Hmm. with them being the leader because I've learned I vet who I follow and who I allow to speak into me because remember we've got to control our thoughts what goes in because it comes out and every time they answered they said they and I got confused because I'm trying to figure out her and I were the only two people there. Who's this <laughs> day that you speak of? Yes, what? what are you? And I started looking around because I was like, did I miss something? Are you mic'd? What's going on? But she was referring to it was a chapter of a bigger organization. So her reference as the, as the top leader was they, their process. They, this is the way we do it because they said this is the way to do it. She had no ownership, no huh. individuality. Mm. And I mentioned, well, even McDonald's and Starbucks, even though they're part of a corporation, every site is different. Every site tailors its setup to the demographic that it serves. Huh. Every owner owns it and is accountable to that demographic and the staff at that site she still went back to they. Huh. So, needless to say, I'm out. I am out. <laughs> <laughs> because, perfectly put, she has to own that. Because otherwise, if anything goes wrong, she'll never be accountable. Because it's they, well, they said this is what, so there's, there will never be an ownership and, yeah. Right. I think early in my leadership journey, I would find someone who I really admired or just whoever I was working for. And my assumption that, you know, I wasn't like my unconscious assumption was I need to be more like that person. And so I would measure my own leadership against whoever was in my mind as like the, the like peak leader in that stage of my life. And I always found myself wanting because is that the right phrase? Wanting? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I was lacking. I always found myself lacking. lacking. Wanting. It was, <laughs> a, it was a yearning. yearning. <laughs> I, I don't want yearning. <laughs> I want lacking, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, I just almost went so far to the side there. Okay. So um, 
what what really shifted my perspective actually was when I discovered Strengths Finders, which is kind of a personality assessment that mm-hmm. helps you understand what your strengths are. And the person that I was working most closely with, um, my strengths and his were very, very opposite. And so it dawned on me, no wonder I feel like I'm not doing a good job of being like him because I'm not like him at all. And so that was the first time I was probably about 30. So I had been in a lot of leadership stuff up until then. Um, But right around like 29 or 30, I started trying to think about who am I as a leader? Who, how do I lean into who I am and who God wired me to be and then lead out of that instead of trying to always emulate someone else who maybe is not wired like me. So I was always trying to kind of fit myself into a mold that I didn't fit in. Um, and then it was just so freeing to kind of do the work of figuring out who am I actually when I lead and to actually like shrug off the other people that I don't need to be like, you know, um, do you feel like some of your process with with coaching and with vision boarding helps people to figure out that kind of essential who that they are and and how does that like fit in with their passion and their purpose as you're working with them? Well, the thing that I believe and and understand the most is that we are individuals. We are incredibly beautifully uniquely made. One of the phrases that I use often is no one can beat you at being you. Are you winning? And many people can't even That's answer good. the question. I like that. They just look at me with a blank stare. Like they're trying <laughs> to process the question and it actually gauges because I almost know the caliber of person I'm speaking to who can answer that question because they get it. Can anybody answer that question? Like, is everybody winning? <laughs> I don't think most people are winning. Because right. most people aren't even attempting to be themselves. Because they're, they're attempting to be whoever they think they should be instead. Or what they want to be like or what society says or, yes, or they. They, what they say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's a mythology so, about they out right. there. There's so, somewhere out there that there's I, a thing. I, w- I was blessed that I spent so much time in corporate America and I excelled, so I was almost always in situations where nobody looked like me. I kept getting hired in places where everybody looked like Ken and Barbie, and then there was me. So I I had no one to emulate. I had to learn very quickly to just be myself. Otherwise, I would have just died because I was so busy beating myself up initially because I did not look like anybody else. And I didn't have anyone to model or mimic. And it was so hard and it was so disheartening that finding someone at a women's ministry who embraced me and heard my hurt and expressed to me, you're actually in the best situation ever because everybody remembers you. Huh? And I was like, literally that fast. I've started, I I started to evolve, evolve into what you see now. I started to own it because I, I understood that I was a commodity now that I didn't have to work as hard as anyone else because I showed up and I was known. Right. (laughs) She turned your negative story into a positive. Yes. So speaking of turning negative into positive, recently you had an experience about a passport and trying to get to a speaking gig. And we were sitting here at Orange one night and you were telling me, and I was just dying laughing because this is such a good story. But I think it, it illustrates not only, I mean, you don't just talk the talk. I mean, you walk the walk. You said that, you know, you teach people to do the impossible. And here's an impossible situation. 
I want I want you to tell our listeners that story. Yes, one of my favorite stories is the passport story. So I'm all excited and a Twitter for the opportunity to travel <laughs> abroad and speak because technically, as soon as you hit another foreign soil and you open your mouth on a stage, you become an international speaker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like rock star, woohoo! So. <laughs> Yeah, and then, lo and behold, I go to pack on the Thursday night before I'm to fly out the Monday morning, and my passport was expired. Oh, wow. And I literally, I mean, as my, my sister would say, I think I shorted. Um, <laughs> for, for all you listeners who don't know what that is, I'm not going to tell you. But I was just, like, so <laughs> devastatingly, I was sad. I stood there. And my mind, I mean, it's, I can still feel the physical reaction of the body, just all the energy just draining out of me. And the sadness, it just started to envelop. It was like Linus and the clouds started to come over me. And then in an instant, I remembered, no, God gave me the vision that I would be an international speaker. I remember seeing myself speaking abroad numerous times. And something in me said, if I didn't, go speak this time that I will make excuses for the rest of my life. I just mm -hmm. knew like, just like in an instant, you know how in the movies they, the people die and within a minute they see their whole life. It was like the vision and all the words and all the things just came to me. So I believe that it was my test, that it was part of my story. It just was giving, he was giving me, everything happens for me, not to me. And this was a gift for me to be able to tell people how powerful it is when you have a vision, what you can accomplish. So I looked online and found out the passport office that was here in Austin. So I got up all bright and early, all the Twitter, and I went down to the passport office and I walked in and I told the lady that I'm going to speak and I'm got, and I'm going to be there on Monday and sh and I got a passport and it's expired. And that lady, I I think she, it, we had to wait while she finished laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Because she was like, oh, girl, you made my day. She was, <laughs> she was tickled pink. Mm. And then when she finished, she was like, oh, I'm sorry to tell you, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and I looked right her right in the eye and I said, I'm glad you said that. Let me tell you why it is. And I told her the story of my background. I told her how I left my job to take care of my sister. I told her how God had given me the vision and this is what I was supposed to do. And I said, I don't need you to tell me the impossible. I just need you to think of one person that maybe might could help me. Because I've learned in asking people for things when you're under stress, if you ask people for help and you're stressed, they don't wanna be responsible that if it doesn't work out. Mm. But if you lighten the load and say, maybe Mike could help me, well, anybody will do that because then they're not accountable to the result. <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> and generally, first thought, right thought. Okay. That's the rule. First thought, right thought. We second guess all the time. First thought, right thought. So the person she told me, guess who gave me the password? The person she told you. The person she told me on that first thought. Okay, so what was the, what's the next thing that happened? Because the story doesn't so, end there. No, the story. So she said... Let me call Tony. So she called Tony, and then she had to hold the phone out because Tony's laughing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
I said, let me talk to Tony. Mm. <laughs> so I got on the phone and I told Tony the story. Mm-hmm. So Tony is like, oh my God, he's like all bought in. So he's like, okay, this is what we can do. We can get it here by Monday night. So you can fly Tuesday morning because I wasn't speaking until Tuesday night. So I'm like, okay, we got a plan. So this is what I had to do. So I had to go get pictures. So he told me what to do. So I'm excited. And so when I hang out with Tony, she's like thanking me because she had something she had been called to do and she had been scared to do it. And that my story was so powerful that she was going to go do what she knew she needed to do. She was no longer scared because she had met me. Hmm. And you ended up, you had to drive to Houston. Wait, I haven't finished. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. So I met Tony and then I came back here and someone, and, and to start with, the reason I knew I could do it was I met someone here who had gotten a passport within like a week and she believed that I could do it too. It was Claire Weber. But anyway, so I met Tony and when I met Tony, I realized before I talked to him, I asked Tony the process. So what is the process for me to get the passport back Monday? So he told me, I said, okay, I didn't argue. I hung up and I was just like, I prayed. I was like, okay, God, you got me there. At least I'm there on Tuesday. I would prefer to be there the night before when I speak. When I travel, I like to be there the night before because anything can go wrong when you travel. Right. So I just said, okay, you got me there. I'm there. Good. I sat quietly and all of a sudden, bam. So my passport, he's going to pick it up on Saturday. It goes on a bus to Houston Sunday. It comes back Monday, and that's how I was going to get it Monday night. So they do this all the time, right? Expedite passports here to Austin. So my mind goes, what if I flew out of Houston? Right. So, and he was like, what? I said, I'm going to fly out of Houston. Who's taking the passport to the passport office in Houston? I'm going to change my flight to Houston. I'm driving to Houston, and I'm going to get my passport, and I'm getting on that flight Monday afternoon so I can get there Monday night. Because I was dead set on being there the night before. Right. I didn't want anything. Mm. You know, you're going through customs. All. No. And right. that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> so Tony is just blown away. He's just so he meets me. He meets me here. He ends up telling me his story, all the stuff that he's going to do. By the way, all these people start following me on Facebook. <laughs> they're like, what's your, what's your Facebook page? Because they want to follow me now. They want to watch me go out and speak and all that stuff and do this stuff. (laughs) So then I drive to Houston. So the thing is, I drive to Houston. I drop my car off at the airport. I take a taxi to the passport office. So when they hand me the passport, I can go straight to fly because I didn't have much time. They're giving me the passport like Mm -hmm. around between 3.34. (laughs) My flight leaves at 5.30, and it's an international flight, and it's Houston traffic. (laughs) <laughs> so we got like fingers, toes crossed. I'm texting all my prayer warriors, sending up hallelujah, hell Marys, <laughs> left and right, right? So so I go and I get in a taxi and I, the ladies take me to passport office. She's like, where are you? Oh, where are you going to? I said, I'm going to passport office. She was like, what? what? I said, oh, I'm going to go wait for my passport and they're going to take me back. So she's like, wait, back up, back up, back up. So I'm telling her the story on a 25 minute ride. So she waits. Yeah. She didn't even leave. She was like, no, 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 or Uber. She was like, no, no, no. So she waits, and then when I get in the Uber, we set it up, and I get her again to go back, but she did not leave because she was like, you got to get this flight. Right. <laughs> she follows me on Facebook. I'm telling you, <laughs> it was bananas. It was what I found, the experience was so powerful for me that when you really believe and you can't, because nothing could tell me that I wasn't going to talk. So it wasn't a matter of 
talking that was done i had already sealed that deal the process was what was what right. had to happen and i knew what happens is i know that once you're the, con the contagious when i tell people about being enthusiastic and excitement excited and you have belief you transfer so i transformed the people right that i yeah. came in contact with my energy was so powerful and so overwhelming they all just it just went out and I gave them some of my hope and my faith because it was I was so full of it, and it was just it was absolutely amazing experience for me to see what happened, not just to me but just to the, to the people who I engaged with along the way because I was so full of faith, and I could see how people become gurus and build things because they believe against all belief that what they're doing, and then people just go, okay, yeah, I want to do that too. Where are you going? I'm going to go with you. Let's do this. <laughs> like, yeah. When people do believe, I mean, there is a contagious, almost infectious energy that, that carries along with that, with that mythology, you know? And then the mythology all of a sudden, all of a sudden turns into reality because now the, the picture is in their heads and now they're, cre they're constructing the picture. And uh, and yeah, and, and you and not only were you creating this, you already created the picture. You were constructing it along the way, but now all of a sudden they were part of your story. Yes. And I think that's the part I love about this the story is that this is not just you about you getting to 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 the airport and getting the passport. This is this is a story of you and these other people all transforming all along the way. And I think that's the amazing part of the story. That's why I love that story. Yes. And when you use the word mythology, you don't mean what most people mean. You mean like worldview, the story that you're telling. Right, right. Yeah, mythology, a lot of people think that mythologies are just like, you know, the Greek gods and all this other stuff. But that's not really the, the case. Like myth is a much bigger idea. Yes. You know, a, a myth is a big story that, that we step into. And I think that's the interesting thing about myth is like myth is part of the creative process is that it's the, the story that you write and then you build. You, you know, you're, you're constructing that story along the way. Right. So coming so, back to the so. vision boards, you kind of are constructing your mythology. You're kind of deciding this is my story, and right. you're, you're doing something tangible. A lot of people creating something with their hands helps that it become real. Something that's not real yet becomes real on paper. And then they're able to say, this is the story that I'm living. Right. Here is my artifact of that. Right. So... This is why the what we call the big, hairy, audacious goal is so, um, so powerful. Because when people embrace what that is for them, they experience what I just experienced. Because you can't do it by yourself. One, you need community. You need to go outside of yourself to ask. You need to, you're doing it blind because it doesn't even make sense to you sitting where you are, how you're going to get from A to B. You just know that you can. And it causes you to no longer be insecure because you can't be insecure running around asking people for help, asking people crazy questions, <laughs> asking people how you could possibly do something that has never been done before because they're going to be looking at you crazy so you can't be looking at yourself crazy. You have to believe in yourself. So this is what I tell people. The process of, of creating a vision for your life and then following through on that vision is helps you to develop into the person you were created to be. There's no greater builder of courage than facing your fear. I could compliment you right now and you'll feel awesome. Then I could turn around two minutes later and take it back by saying something underhanded. And then you'll feel bad. <laughs> but when right. you face your fear and you feel good about yourself, no one can take that from you. That's what successful people understand. 
Hmm. That's why they get high on doing and up-leveling and doing things that challenge them and scare them half to death because no one can take away that confidence. Fear is the greatest builder of confidence and the greatest gift we've been given to face your own fear. That's awesome. So, Michelle, um, some of our listeners, you know, as they as they hear your story, as they hear what you know these ideas, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, well, I don't know why I just want to say ring-a-ling-a-ling, but no, for real. <laughs> oh, I just call you, you know. First thought is the right thought. <laughs> right? Um, no. So we'll put the phone number in the notes, you know, and stuff, in the show notes. No, MichelleBaker.com is the best way you can get in touch with me. If you're interested in working with me, I do a 45-minute discovery session because I am not about just trying to take people's money. My goal is always to help people to find their path, their course, the thing that will create for them a personal success. So I like to have time with you. So there is a, a series of questions and an at assessment that are required. So it does take you a little bit of time. So what I find is that's a barrier to entry and people who are not serious will not go through the process. But yeah, 45 minute discovery session and we're off. Cool. Cool. By the way, that is M E S H E L L Baker.com B A K E R. So so to make sure everybody gets that right so when they go to the browser and type that in or type yes. it on their phone or whatever. Just think me, shell. Yeah. Me like you, me, and I. And then shell like seashell. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Michelle, it has been awesome hanging out with you. We're bringing this puppy in for a landing. Is there any last words you can say in 30 seconds or less to take for, so that our audience can take home with them? The only thing I remind people is that um, when you do your best, better will always find you. So don't worry about what other folks are doing. Just give your best at what you've been given for where you are, who you are at the moment, and better will always find you. That's awesome. All right. Well, you've been listening to Creation Curve Leadership with Kimberly and Coach and Michelle Baker. That's it. That's all we got. Goodbye. Peace. Good night. I do have outro music.